and welcome to episode 71 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I'm Brett Nolan of AppAct.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. In this episode, Trevor and I do some matching, slicing, sorting, crafting, and exploring as we discover that our pool table has gotten a lot bigger. How you doing tonight, Trevor? Doing good. Always ready for some exploring, especially when it comes to games. Yes, yeah, and we have. To, it seems like these days we almost have to explore the app store to find a grouping of good games. It seems like there's a lot of stuff to sort through bef- to find these gems that we're able to uncover. Yeah, it seems like since w- we transitioned from April to May, it's been really tough since then. Yeah. And I think part of that is just kind of the whole industry-wide sentiment towards mobile games, which was on display at E3 2018, which was last week. I was in attendance. It was at the LA Convention Center. And throughout the entire event, you know, it covers two exhibit halls, and there's all kinds of press conferences. And on the entire show floor, there was one mobile game. And in all the press conferences, there was one mobile game. So the first one is Elder Scrolls Blades from Bethesda, And it's that familiar action RPG from the Elder Scrolls environment made specifically for mobile devices. So you simply slide your finger on the left side of the screen to move or you tap to move and then you tap to attack. And it's probably going to connect to the Elder Scrolls, you know, environment. But this is a specific mobile version where you get kind of that full on RPG experience environment that we've seen on iOS. But now with that Elder Scrolls brand name. Yeah, I, I haven't seen much about this, so this is actually a... Um, I know that they said it's coming to VR as well, so I don't know if that's just like the mobile VR, like the 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 new Go, or if it's going to be across other platforms as well, but it, you said it was definitely... They were targeting towards mobile when they were showing it, right? Yeah, they had it playable on actual iPhones and Android devices. Okay, okay. And, I mean... It's not going to be the most in-depth. It's not like the console version of Elder Scrolls made for iOS. It's a specific, you know, version with your familiar kind of simple kind of encounters where you still have that whole kind of scale, but just in simplified, you know, action and spell casting and blocking and all that. Right, right. And then you have your inventory of items and things. But yeah, it's all kind of set up for a mobile interface for people to take on the go. Yeah, because you can play it also in portrait mode. It's not just going to be vertical mode. And hopefully it kind of stays on that part because we've seen like Final Fantasy fifteen where Pocket Edition was remade for iOS with different graphics, but it's still the full kind of experience. So hopefully it trends more towards that than that, like, uh, Final Fantasy Mobius, where it was like this, you know, weird, like, kind of clicker action RPG. So hopefully it goes more towards the one side than the other. Right, right. You you hope that when they do this, they don't dumb it down. I mean, there are things they'll have to change the way you you interface with it just because it doesn't work on a touch screen versus having a real joystick but you don't want them to dumb it down so much it becomes one of these boring little clickers that you do nothing with but still give a rich experience on mobile which unfortunately it doesn't seem like a lot of people want to do that especially with uh, on these games where they end up being these free to play there's just no incentive to really put the work and the effort into 
making a rich experience when they tend to always seem to go for the money and just something that's simple that they can get people clicking on things, purchasing items, and have an influx of IAPs that are basically going to pay for the game. Right. And so that's Elder Scrolls Blades. And then there's Gears Pop, which was announced by Microsoft and is a partnership with Funko, the maker of the little vinyl toys with the big heads and the big eyes. And now all of those Gears of War pops are essentially going to be playable characters in a mobile-specific version of Gears of War. Right, and you got to imagine this is going to not be like a super-duper violent game. They are targeting mobile, and they're using the pops. So it's not going to be like a full-out Gears of War game. They don't actually even tell you what it is in this in this little teaser they released. It was just kind of a funny trailer they showed during the Microsoft's actual press conference. And you they kind of faked you out thinking it was going to be a Gears of War game. And then it was this cute little fun animated short that they created. And that's about all we know about the game. They really didn't tell you much at all. Yep. And so, I mean, Funko, I'm a big fan of them. So they've been kind of dabbling in making these little online web games. So I guess now they can kind of build up that partnership even more. And I don't know if mobile's the best home for it. Just, I guess it's because maybe if it's like a super simple game or like a cute kind of version of Gears of War versus, you know, the usual installments, people on consoles would complain. So you push it to mobile. It's a different kind of audience, different perspective. Right, right. I think if it is this, I mean, especially when you have these diehard Gears of War fans, if it's not a full Gears of War game, they're going to call it crap and not want to play. And so you put it on a completely different platform, and now there's justification for maybe having this kind of softer experience that is more family-friendly and maybe not as And so also, not actually at E3, but during the week, was the big indie pitch off-site. And I'm one of the judges, so I get to see a bunch of little indie developers try to kind of show off their games. And in years past, you know, there's usually about 30 games that we go through. This year, there was only 15. So I think that kind of speaks volumes by itself. But in terms of actual standouts, there was one game called Spellfast, which is a multiplayer word game it's kind of like scrabble but you play head to head and essentially i would type out a word and you would type out a word and you swipe up and i swipe up and you try to essentially send your word into battle to cause damage to your opponent and the neat part about the game is that it actually was released the week of e3 so you can download it on the app store right now it's called Spellfast. it's two words so that was a fun one Okay, yeah, I'm looking at a video of this. Looks kind of cool. Yeah, Orbulus is coming soon. It's like a match three game where there's a spinning dial in the middle, and you know, based you just rotate your little orbs in the center as new orbs come in from the outside, and you try to make matches. You can only get so excited about a match three game, but <laughs> at least it's relatively different in terms of you control the center dial, you spin it around, and you just have to get things in the right position as new ones are coming in. Okay. And then there was also Salad Hunt, which is a kind of made-for-kids shooter game where instead of all the guns and violence, you have these tomatoes and various vegetables that are coming at you, and you throw, like, 
salad heads and other kind of things to knock them back. So it's just like a shooter game, classic kind of arcade style, like a time crisis or something, but with really friendly kid style design and appeal. Yeah, I think that one might have been at PAX East this year. It looks really familiar. Yeah, so there was a bunch of other games that are in various stages of development, but those three were definite standouts. But like I said at the outset, there wasn't as many as there used to be. And I think it's just E3 always draws the big developers. It's not like GDC where you have all these small developers going to sessions. This is about big, huge companies putting out as much press as possible And they're focusing on games that are going to have that return on investment. And they might not be figuring out mobile games doing that the way they have console games. Now, did you notice, like, were there not even a lot of, like, smaller indie, like, PC developers there? It just seemed to mostly be, like, the big console developers? Yeah, there was less even smaller booths. They have usually smaller booths on the backside of the West Hall. And a lot of those were replaced by retailers this year. I think part of it is because now they have that new Gamer Pass. In year, so last year was the first year they did it. And essentially it used to just be press and industry people going to E3. But over the past two years, anyone can buy a pass to get in. They come in at different hours. But it makes it more of a convention rather than you know just like a conference. Right, right. So they they want to have more retail there because they're going to have gamers that are going to buy stuff rather than just really press covering the upcoming games. Right, because they used to have this like student section where there were these different kind of schools pushing games, and it was much smaller this year. They used to have another kind of, you know, like Intel-powered section or various kind of smaller sections this year was just big booth after big booth like huge kind of cinematic displays and immersive interactive items okay okay yeah i mean that's unfortunate i mean e3's never really been big on ios but it's unfortunate to see that even like the smaller pcs are kind of getting pushed out as well yeah it was a really heavy focus on console not even like small steam releases or anything yeah so that was e3 there wasn't much apple news this week so there was definitely some gaming news but there's also some new apps that came out this week and the first one is gemini photos which is essentially a new utility to help you clean up your camera roll so it can find photos that might be blurry or it can find photos that are similar say it found three pictures that are kind of almost of the same side or same angle and then it lets you pick which one you want and just keep that one delete the other two because you know there's all those times where you're taking pictures and you want to get just that right snap but you don't go back and delete the old ones and then it also bundles your screenshots together or maybe pictures of like pieces of paper or notes so you can quickly see if you still need those right yeah i mean this is a good idea i'm i'm guilty of it as well where you just take a whole bunch of photos you keep on trying new things and then yeah you're right you don't remember to go and delete the other ones you didn't use you finally got that right one you post it to social media and then you kind of just leave everything there and it does add up over time especially if you're taking a lot of photos 
and this is like a nice easy way for it to go out and search and it's got an algorithm that it uses to find your best and suggest the best one and then maybe you want to delete these and it marks them for deletion but you can adjust what it suggests and keep whatever you want you can even I believe undelete something uh, that you've deleted just in case you accidentally got rid of something uh, it is a it's kind of weird because it's a subscription-based app, which to me, like, this is the type of thing you maybe want to use every six months or, like, you're not going to use it every day. You're, you're going to realize you're running low in space and you're going to want to go clean up some of these photos. And so you might use it every once in a while. To make it, like, a subscription-based, kind, it seems kind of weird to me. But otherwise, I mean, it seemed to, to do what it's supposed to do, but... I, again, I think it's a, a weird model that they're going for. Yeah, I definitely agree. This is kind of the utility you pay for once because, like you said, you're not going to go in every day and clean out your camera roll. You scan your library. It says it found a 1,000 photos it thinks are clutter. Well, let me clean these 1,000 photos, and then I'll get back to you when I have another 1,000 photos <laughs> that might rack up to be classified as cluttered. Right. I mean, that could be like, how many years have you gathered all these photos at this point? It could right. be years before you need to use it again, or you even think to use it. I and mean, it's not. So I, I don't know. I thought that was kind of strange. But otherwise, I think it's a, it seems like a useful utility. I mean, there is some of this kind of stuff that has started to show up just natively on the device where now iOS will show you like here's screenshots you took if you wanted to quickly delete we we I think we even talked about a previous app where it would go out and find all your screenshots so that you could quickly delete them but now obviously it's baked right into iOS I wouldn't be surprised with some future version of iOS if we start to see more of this in an effort to help people clean out their their stuff although then again it's really not in Apple's best interest for it to help you because they want to sell you more iCloud space to store all these extra photos. So who knows? Maybe we'll never see it, but I suspect something of this will show up in some future version of iOS. Yeah, just building upon each and every version of iOS, it's like, oh, this destroys this app or this clears out this whole app category. But without the apps in the initial point, Apple would never seem to have new ideas so we need apps like this yeah so to be fair it looks like they do offer a one-time purchase but it's 15 dollars, which seems kind of high for what this is uh, so i don't know i guess to each their own you may find this super useful but 15 dollars seems awfully expensive for something that you might use this year and maybe in three years you decide to use it again but by then it might be in ios yeah, so the developers MacPaw, which they develop Mac apps, a lot of photo utilities, and that's kind of the pricing they've established. And I think they have to realize that iOS has a different market, or even at the very least, this isn't doing the most. You know, it's not going to revolutionize your camera roll. When it says the photo might be blurry, you look at it and it's like, I'm still going to keep that photo. Or if it says you're going to, here's some screenshots, well, if you go into just the Photos app, there's a screenshot thing that was introduced in iOS 11. So this is a neat utility. You can I've been able to use it for free so far, but uh, I can't imagine how many people are going to sign up for $1.99 a month. Maybe for one month or the three free-day trial, get your full like cleaning going. Yeah. <laughs> but every single month, $2 to clean 
those few extra photos you took over that month? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't. It, it, I my guess this is these prices will will change over time. Yep. So that's Gemini Photos. It's free. It's universal. And then one other one I want to mention is Tokoboka's back. You know, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know my kids love Tokoboka. I enjoy the Tokoboka apps. And they're back this week with Toka Mystery House. And this one's kind of different than a lot of their other stuff with maybe Tokaboo coming the closest. Because this kind of is a little creepy, but still fun. And it's aimed towards kids aged 6 to 9. So I think if you have a younger child, it may kind of, you could have the possibility of frightening them a little bit, but they might have fun. So what you're basically doing is you're going through and you're exploring this weird house and walking through the, the floors of the house, opening doors, going inside and seeing what's in there. And there's all these like weird creatures that might look kind of frightening at first or just really odd, but then you interact with them and like one of them is this troll and he's actually like a musical instrument. You pull on his eyes, you pull on his ears and you stretch them out and they make noise noises and you can just have fun playing music with this creature and there's all kinds of other weird little things you're going to find there's a spot where it looks kind of like a laboratory where you have potions and you play with like kind of slimy shiny potions and mix them up and see how they what they do and it's just kind of encourages kids to use to explore and experiment and just kind of find things and like with all of their apps especially all of the the token life stuff there's all these little hidden things that you just find just by tapping and touching anything that's around and just kind of find little hidden elements within so the kids are encouraged to just do whatever they want and just have fun and so it's uh my girls are both loving and mine my they're eight and eleven so even the eleven year olds still find this fun so i definitely recommend if you have kids and you love the Tokoboka apps, this is definitely another good one in their line. They're just really killing it. They're doing so well with these things. And every everyone seems like it's, oh, what are they doing? This is crazy. And then, of course, the kids love it. So uh, definitely check it out. And it is $2.99 and universal. So how many different, like, scenes are there? Like, I know you can replay things and, you know, do parts over and over but how long do you think is just like the basic inclusion uh, of interaction so this one you're, you're kind of walking around and you can kind of get lost within this house and just kind of explore the house there's even like an elevator in there parts i want to say i'm trying to think of how many there were i want to say i had at least five or six like actual locations that you kind of end up at where you have those like experimentation type of things where you have that troll head you have like a kitchen you had a up in the attic you had something and i know there was uh another lab thing I, i'm trying to remember exactly how many there were because i i kind of got lost within there because you're kind of just roaming around through all these doors and things so i don't remember specifically how many there were but i know my my girls were sitting there for well over an hour playing it then next day they're back playing again so i mean it, there is tends to be some repetitiveness in these these apps and like this one more so than maybe the token life, just because I see I think there's a lot more interactive stuff 
uh, like characters and stuff you can drag in in the Token Life series. But still, there seemed to be plenty of content to keep kids entertained because they're going to want kids love repetition. And so they'll come back in and they'll try these things over and over again. You can try different combinations of those potions and you'll see different things than you saw maybe the last time. So there's a lot of uh, various things and they tend to do a very good job updating them where they add new content or new locations or new things i wouldn't be surprised if they do that with this as well especially the way it's set up where they can just add like another hallway and you end up at some room you've never seen before because and it makes perfect sense within the app because of this weird house that you're exploring okay makes sense and so like you said that's toka mystery house and that means it's time for some games the first one this week is infinite pool and I know we just talked about Pocket Run Pool a couple weeks ago, and I guess it's just a hot time for pool games. <laughs> and so with Infinite Pool, it's infinite. So it's an endless runner, essentially, where you have a limited number of shots, and then each time you sink a ball, you earn another shot with a max of five. So you always have five shots, and if you take a shot where no balls are sunk, then you're going to lose one of those shots. So you need to constantly focus on that. And there's balls just scattered as far as you go and there's holes every so often on the side of the course and then there's the course includes different zones so you'll start off with kind of a basic kind of like green field with holes on the side and purple balls but then as you go there's bomb balls and then there's like planks floating across the river or there's little holes that have a opening and closing door mechanic so you have different things to contend with as you're going infinitely trying to knock balls in and then you can build up combos to hit multiple balls in at once because there's sequences where there's like 10 balls on screen and then further on there's only two balls. So it's just kind of a balancing act. But those combos can let you earn multiple shots. So if you're down to like one shot, you sink two balls, you're now up to three shots. So you always want to focus on replenishing that because that's when going to keep you in the game. But if you do ever scratch your cue ball, that's game over. But the game does give you the ability to tap the screen to stop your ball. So if you're rolling towards the edge about to sink you can just tap the screen and it will stop right in position right and and some of those holes also have multipliers built right on them so if you get even just a single ball in there you'll get like two extra balls to to shoot with or say you knock two balls in there you're gonna get four of them so it there's ways to keep on quickly replenishing it but you do have to use some strategy because there'll be like these kind of I don't they're fences that kind of get in your way so you have to sometimes you'll have to burn a shot just to line yourself up to then maybe make that next shot where you hit a bomb and then it blows up and then causes three balls to each roll towards a hole or towards multiple holes so that you can get a bunch of shots back so there's some strategy involved but then also a little bit of luck and then there's this whole other element where there's these hats that appear. So there's other times where you're going to want to hit certain balls in versus other balls just because they'll add to you your number of a certain type of hat that you've collected. And once you get X number of them, you unlock that hat, or you can then continue to collect them and then you'll be able to have the ability to upgrade those hats. So there's a lot going on for like what seems like a pretty simple pool game at first. And there's a lot more strategy because of that whole thing where you can stop the ball in the middle or figure out what is your best option, especially once you start to run low on balls. Do I just hit something in and then hope that my next shot I can I can get something or do I try to plan something a little bit bigger to really kind of get those combos and get even more balls out of each and every one of them? 
Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I was surprised at first. I'm like, okay, this is just a simple in this game. I'll get tired of it really quick. But I was surprised how many times I wanted to replay and thinking I can do better. I want to get to a new zone to see what there is. I messed up, you know, some shot or the positioning of the ball or I scratched in a stupid position. So it really seemed to like kind of just the intrinsic replay factor of the game. And then, like you mentioned, there's all those different unlockable hats and upgrades of the shop to keep you even more intrigued as you're picking up various collectibles along the way. Now, one thing I that was happening to me, I don't know if it happened to you, is every once in a while when I went to go hit the screen to stop my ball, all of a sudden he would just go flying off to the right for no reason whatsoever. As soon as I hit that screen to top, stop and lifted my finger, he would go flying off to the right, usually into a hole, and die. I don't know if that ever... And it happened Did multiple it take, times. like, another shot? Yes. You know? So it, it picked up as you dragged to take another shot rather than tapping to stop? Well, he stopped, and then he immediately, as soon as I released my finger, went flying. But I didn't see the little arrow appear on the screen or anything. So it was almost like it seemed like I... It thought I was trying to take another shot, but it was just like he would go flying directly to the right. Like, it, it was very weird. And it happened, I would say, three or four times. I didn't have that happen to me, but that does sound frustrating. Yeah. But, I mean, it, I mean, it's so quick to just restart, and it's not a big deal. But it, it was just something to, that happened to me. But it, it was... It definitely an interesting take on pool something different i wasn't sure if i was gonna like it because i'm honestly getting a little sick of the whole endless thing i used to love endless games now it just my patience has grown thin for them but i like you i did find myself keep going back wanting to play more wanting to maybe unlock another hat i've got a couple now and uh it was surprisingly uh calling to me to play more and more yeah, that, that's uh, my sentiments exactly. And so that's Infinite Pool. It's free, it's universal, it's ad-supported. You can use video ads to continue a run. So that can help you view new zones and kind of boost up your score. And one kind of, I guess, problem with that, it seemed like you can just keep continuing. Usually the games limit you to one continue, so you can kind of balance the high score table. But I did two, and then I was like, well, that's, that's not as, like... Uh, nerve-wracking when you're going further because you could just always continue no matter what you do and you just continue forever so that was a little weird it did end up stopping it only let you do it i think twice because it did eventually okay. stop it was twice or three times it did eventually run out because i tried to run it as far as i could one time and eventually it just stops offering you continues okay that's good to know so again infinite pool free universal and then be sure to check out Pocket Run Pool if you did miss our episode a couple of weeks ago because that's an outstanding pool game which makes emphasize an arcade twist with specific conditions and specific order. It kind of has a similar strategy idea of focusing on specific holes with specific balls. Right, especially once you, if you do that super hard challenge mode where things start to go weird and then it gets yeah. really hard and you have to use a lot of strategy. Yeah, I found myself still playing that game. Me too. So that's always... That's, <laughs> yep. You know it's a special game when we have to play a new game every week, or like five new games every <laughs> week, and to still have a game that you go back to from a few weeks ago. Yep. And then there's Ultra Sharp, which comes from One Button Sorrel, where they've made a lot of these super minimalistic kind of 2D quick action games with mix of puzzle and action. And so Ultra Sharp continues that idea. It's 
kind of continues the series. There was a game last year called Super Sharp where they both are kind of built on Icebreaker or Viking Voyage where you have to swipe these shapes into smaller pieces so that they fall and slide into these different colored stars. And so, you know, it might just be like this block and then you swipe it at a diagonal angle so that a piece of the block slides off, it goes down the side and hits the star. And then as you go, you're going to have swinging pieces and these little star blocks that have to land in these special sections. And it just builds upon the puzzle mechanics of that idea of just swipe once to cut the object and hope that it falls into the right direction based on momentum and gravity. Yeah, I, the original Super Sharp, that actually came out in 2015. Like, So that was okay. like three years ago. But I so when I first loaded this up, I'm like, I played this game before, and because I didn't even read the app description and said it was a sequel, I'm like, this I know I played this game. So then I started to look it up, and I don't really understand what's different. It seems like they've just kind of relaunched the same game, but they they definitely build up the the differences, uh, the use of the new mechanics pretty quickly uh, in this one versus maybe the last one. I don't know. It's been a while since I played the other one. But it seemed very familiar, and I'm not complaining. I've really enjoyed it the first time. I'm just, I'm, I don't fully understand what's different about this game compared to the original other than it just seems like more puzzles. And But if you enjoyed the first one, you're definitely going to love the second one because I it's the same thing over again, but, uh, there's new challenges, new, uh, things where, yeah, you have to figure out how you're going to, especially if you want to go for that crown and get it in the minimal number of swipes. Sometimes you have to do it just in a single swipe. Sometimes you'll have to do it in, they give you like two to do it, but you have to figure out how to cut these things to get things to swing, to get things to land, to get things to drop multiple at the same time. So it's puzzly, but at the same time, you do kind of have to think about it. But if you mess it up, you can quickly hit a little button and you're immediately restarted and you can try the puzzle all over again with no problem. Yeah, and then a lot of the early levels focus on just one swipe for the you know crown achievement if you do more it just gives you kind of a check so it makes you a little bit more strategic but just like you i'm not sure what exactly is different even the levels themselves they feel a lot the same it's not like oh here's 10 new mechanics you can try out where we built upon it it really feels just like subtle adjustments subtle changes relaunching of the original game from 2015 so three years later you kind of forget that game maybe you never played it you missed it that's what kind of ultra sharp is for and it's not a bad game in that regard though i don't know since i did play super sharp i don't know how far i'm going to get into this game just because at the outset you're like yeah yeah i got it i got it you kind of want it to jump up and not go through the slow motions of the outset and so i don't know how many more complexities they're going to offer because i'm like 20 levels in and it still feels like the same exact game that's not exactly that difficult right so my only guess is the original one was a paid game so maybe this is okay. a way for them to reintroduce it as a free game and they did swap out like floating little outlined squares that you have to hit with stars i know that much uh, but other than, <laughs> other than that, I, I, I mean, I think they got rid of a little bit of the coloring too. It's more of a monochromatic, but, uh, I mean, there is some color, but 
I don't know. Yeah, it, it, for me, sometimes I felt like with the levels, it was a little uneven where you might get one that was kind of difficult and you had to think about it a little bit more. But then you'd have two or three super easy ones that was immediately obvious what you had to do. You flew through that level and then you might hit another one that's a little more difficult. I just wish it like, yeah, like it ramped up a little quicker and maybe they introduce new elements at a at a faster pace than waiting for like maybe the next level grouping which they're pretty big groupings i think there was like 32 in the first grouping and then another 32 in the next grouping so i just wish especially where they did have the previous game that it just was a little bit quicker but I, if you've never played it before, it's free now. You can go and, and check it out, so uh, definitely do so. Yep, and so that's Ultra Sharp. It's free, it's universal. And then there's Ark Survival Evolved, which is a survival adventure game that emphasizes crafting and building. And you've probably played this style before. It's a whole kind of 3D map island to explore where you're going to pick up stones and wood, and then that can help you build like a pickaxe or a torch and then that's going to help you collect new items those new items can then build better items and you just kind of progress along that path the main kind of distinguisher is that the environment is filled with dinosaurs so all kinds of dinosaurs you know there's pterodactyls and common herbivores and then you'll get it into more frightening (laughs) dinosaurs but the idea is that you have to survive you're kind of like a neanderthal essentially with nothing and you're just going to build your way up slowly but surely across this island and you always have to be cognizant of food water staying warm eventually get into the shelter idea and just that kind of classic style if you've played radiation island or the successor radiation city you're going to feel right at home in this game it's really similar though the dinosaur kind of dinosaurs just walking around as you're walking around is the main differentiator yeah, I remember seeing this one, I believe it was last year or maybe the year before. I think it was last year or maybe it was two years ago. I saw this at PAX East. They had a giant display for this because it was coming out for PC and consoles at the time. So I, I was kind of surprised when all of a sudden they said it was coming out. I didn't know what type of game it was. I just remember seeing the specter of this giant dinosaur that people were sitting on top of and taking their pictures. And I assume with a console release, it was some like a much more like action-packed game, not one of these crafting-style games. And so when I heard it was coming to iOS, I had no idea what it was even about. So then when it loaded up the first time, I was kind of surprised it was this crafting game. And I, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was... Uh, especially where you do start with absolutely nothing and you're kind of on this thing on this like island area and then you're just kind of exploring picking things up you're avoiding all these the big dinosaurs are out there especially then all of a sudden I started getting attacked I got a little too close these tiny little dinosaurs that were biting me attacking me and I had to craft a an axe a stone axe so that I could beat them down and basically take the meat to cook it and it's like the fact that you're starting with nothing and you really have to figure it all out was that was the most interesting part for me because uh a lot of these games they they kind of like push you quickly and try and 
try and like really get things going as fast as possible where I thought because of the the era that you're in and the way it's set up it made perfect sense for you to really have to go from nothing and build up and it was a little slow but they kind of took you through things they constantly had little missions for you to know what this is the next thing you got to figure out and they didn't handhold you they kind of told you what you need to do but then if you kind of got a little confused they gave you hints on what you need to do next or maybe how to do this certain crafting thing they did a nice job of kind of guiding you through the interface which admittedly is a little bit awkward it feels kind of more pc centric uh than actually like a touch screen like i think it, they could have really kind of mod changed that a little bit for for a mobile device i think it would have worked better i was playing an ipad so that worked fine but it still felt a little awkward. It felt kind of forced from another environment onto mobile. But otherwise, I thought the gameplay itself was interesting. I'm not sure if it's the type of thing I'll play a ton of because it is so time-consuming and you are waiting for things. But I did find it engaging and interesting, at least for an initial playthrough. Yeah, there's a grand scale kind of experience to get involved in. So you got to understand... When you're about to sit down, there's a lot to do, a lot to play through. And then, like you said, the interface is quite cumbersome. You know, always going to press the backpack to go to the interface or swiping over from the right to switch objects never seem to work exactly right. The small indicators on the bottom you think would be button taps, but they're just indicators to go back up to the backpack. So it's a, it's a little weird, but you can still play the game. It doesn't prevent you from playing the game. And... You can just get into it because it's all about exploration. You're not exactly sure what's going to happen when you do certain things. Like I found this pterodactyl egg on the beach. I thought it was just a pterodactyl egg. It turns out the pterodactyl knew that and attacked me and killed me. I <laughs> thought it was just kind of left over. But I learned my lesson. And there's all kinds of things like that across this island because you're living at the same time as dinosaurs. And then the game does include this whole online portion where it's more of a co-op kind of team building. You guys can work together to build up a little village and cr interact with the world together. Yeah, I haven't even tried that portion of it. I was just yeah. kind of doing the single player. But it seems like there is a ton of content here that you could spend hours upon hours just going through and slowly building things up, collecting and... I, I tend to lose patience with these type of games. That's why I don't know that how long I'll stick with it, just because I don't have the time to. But it, it definitely it pulled me in right from the start where I just wanted to explore more and see how much I could evolve and see what the next things I could find or the next things I had to collect were. And it, I just think it's a fascinating storyline that goes with it. Yeah, for me, this type of game... Like I mentioned, Radiation Island, These, this one kind of matches with that, where the 3D exploration, crafting survival, it's not my cup of tea. I seem to be able to get more into Crash Lands or Don't Starve, where it's that 2D, the action's kind of more continuous, there's more just focus on kind of specific missions chunked up. So these ones I seem to get more lost, but it just kind of is a preference-based setup. Right, yep. And then there is, the game is going to be free to play. There's a subscription service which removes ads and it gives you special perks and benefits, especially with online play. So keep that in mind. You can fully play the game for free, 
but then there's perks and benefits. So that's Ark Survival Evolved. It's free. It's universal. And then there's Dot Blocks, which, like I mentioned at the outset, match three games are tough to kind of get into just because there's so many. But if there's even a subtle kind of change or difference, it makes you more intrigued. And so with Dot Blocks, it's match three, but it's kind of combined with Tetris, where you're getting little kind of Tetris pieces. You need to put them on the board and position them in the best spaces to make matches of three of at least three because you really want to focus on those bigger matches because it turns out that this game uses a heart bait system a heart based system where every single one of your moves counts as a heart so you have to be very strategic you start out with 20 hearts you drag a piece into place that's one of your hearts and if you run out of hearts that's it that's game over it's that endless kind of high score challenge so you can earn hearts back if you remove pieces from the board and specific tiles underneath have hearts so you don't exactly know it's kind of random but you want to clear as many pieces off the board as possible with these specific matches so it's a bit like Tetris and then it has kind of like a threes vibe where you have to be really methodical with every piece that you put into place and see how the board kind of takes shape and can be cleared off with specific moves right I like the more puzzly aspect of this like you I am so sick of match three games at this point but this didn't feel like a match three. It felt more like a puzzle where you're given yeah. like just a couple of pieces to choose from. And then you're really trying to figure out the best place to put them or kind of leaving openings that maybe if a piece comes up with just the right color dot for you, then you can use it in that spot later. And so you're kind of planning ahead, you're using what's there, but then at the same time, you do have to make the matches sometimes earlier than you want to, and you can't necessarily build up to those four, five, or six ones that unlock those special powers, which will clear off other spots on the board. And so you, you, you're you kind of forced to make moves because of the countdown of the heart timer. And you do start off with 20, but as you continue to play and continue to level up, you'll start off with more in subsequent games. So it's kind of almost this roguelike element to it where you've leveled up and now in future games you'll be able to do better because you'll start with more hearts. The thing that I still don't fully understand, and there wasn't a great tutorial in there, is there's these kind of amoeba-looking bug alien-type creatures. I don't... I don't. Yeah, I don't... they're just, like, classified as villains, right? Yeah, and, I, everyone, and they'll turn black and white, and then sometimes they'll turn colorful, and then some of them will shoot lasers and start turning other blocks. They'll, they'll turn your colored blocks into aliens, and so then you can't use those to match anymore. So it kind of restricts where you're going to be able to make matches, and you kind of have to blow up those little aliens by making four dot matches with bombs or other things that'll cause them to, to blow up. I don't fully understand how those things work as far as how they're reproducing or how they're showing up. There's no great information about that. They just kind of seem to show up, and maybe that maybe that's the point. Maybe they are random, but... I wish they had kind of gone a little bit more information into exactly how those things work so that you can kind of plan ahead for those. And I maybe I just haven't figured out the pattern yet. But to me, this was more interesting than a match three. It's still not necessarily a game that I'm going to play a lot of, but I do like that it feels different and has those different elements to it that don't really make it feel like a traditional match three which 
obviously the App Store has way too many of already. Yeah, I agree with you there that if there was more logic or if you could find the logic of those villains, then it would kind of fit with the whole idea of being a puzzle game. Because as it stands with the random element, it takes away your planning, your thoughts of every move. If you could see, oh, it's going to come in based on you know a certain number of moves or certain patterns that you were doing then you could plan for it adjust for it as it stands you're just kind of like i better clear these out because they're taking up space it's kind of the same with those hearts that are just randomly behind pieces it's not like if i get a match of at least five i can get a heart back it's like i just hope there's a heart under here once i make a match so a little bit more kind of detail into the actual structure of things could let the game be even more of a puzzle experience right i mean it seems like this is kind of par for the course for this app because the app description is like the worst it's like three lines and they don't even tell you much at all they just say defeat cute characters with pop-ups with power-ups and match three or more blocks of the same color like they don't give you much information even in the description of the app but and, and then there's some whole element where you have different like a cutesy kind of character makes up the the a face on the board you can unlock different characters but they costed they cost like some kind of in-game currency which i still don't even figure out how to even actually earn uh so i don't think i have any and so i couldn't unlock any other characters so i just started with this one little smiley face which Frankly, that's good enough with me. I don't really need another character. I don't think it really does anything. I don't think it changes the gameplay at all. It, it's just the, the backdrop color. Like, you can unlock a pink theme, and it's just themes. Right, right. So it's not going to affect the gameplay, although the ninja looks kind of cool. But, um, yeah. So even if you're, like, at this point, completely burned out anti-match three games, I think this one's different enough that it's still worth a try and maybe not dismiss it right away yep so that's dot blocks it's free it's universal and in case you were keeping track that's four free games so you can fully play them for free that's just the way the app store is going <laughs> yep and i think that's everything for episode 71 yep that's all i got to everyone listening we hope you enjoyed and we'll talk to you next time talk to you later